Hey everyone, and welcome to my very first episode. Each episode, I invite you to tune in while I host a new guest to share their experience working behind the scenes in the music industry. Today, we will be discussing experiential production and content creation. My name is Sydney, and this is The Setup. Let me start by introducing you to my very first guest, Ace Antonio. Ace is an event producer and creator of The Beat Stop. So excited for you to be here, Ace. And by here, I mean across the nation in California. How's it going, Ace? It's good. It's about 80 degrees over here. I am looking outside, and for the first time, it's actually sunny in Chicago, and typically what that means is that it's very cold. It's very (laughs) deceiving. For everyone out there that's not familiar with you, we became friends over LinkedIn, and in this small world of music, I actually have a few friends in common, one of them being Casey Stabos, and... Recently, Ace, you were in Vegas with her, right? Yes, that's right. So the event that you were at was X Live. Tell everyone what that is, what you were doing there. So in November, I attended the X Live conference, and that is a conference for uh, event professionals. So it's pretty broad. You get everyone from live music to the Olympics to film festivals to experiential marketers and beyond. So. I was a contributor for X Live in the months leading up to the event. So I actually went as a content creator interviewer. It was a really awesome experience because I got to sit down with, quite frankly, people I look up to. So I sat down with the president of Elro, Michael Julian, founder of Festival Squad, Stephanie Rosa. Just it was a really validating experience for me. So at the time, I had just con- I had just met Casey online, very similar to you and me. So she runs a, a festival publication called Backpacks and Beat Drops. She loves combining uh, travel and music festivals, and she does a lot of both along with her co-founder, Claudia. Mm-hmm. Just so great to see things kick off like that, and especially in such a tight-knit industry. Just knowing that it's a, a huge conference for event production as we must um, be assuming, the event itself was put on pretty amazingly. I've heard such great things. What was your favorite part? Overall, I had such a positive experience and they were able to curate an incredible list of speakers. I mean, they had people from all corners of the event and experiential marketing industry that I, I honestly believe that regardless of whether you are an assistant event coordinator or you are an executive producer, you, you found some amount of value at this conference. They, they had a lot of forward thinking sessions. And what I mean by that are they had a lot of sessions on things like uh, festival sustainability, inclusion and diversity in the event industry, like things that I value and I know that are important, but they had a director from Golden Voice talk about some inclusivity and ADA initiatives that they implemented at Coachella. And it's just really cool. You know, I'm sitting like 40 feet from them, just watching them on stage, talking about how they set goals for this kind of thing and, and what they went through to execute these goals. It's a very open environment at this conference that really fosters connection. And that's what I thought was the, the best part about it. 
That is amazing. I definitely have to check it out next year. It's on my calendar. So I have no excuses at this point. So outside of X Live, I know you mentioned Elro. Yeah. Um, Oh my gosh. That was such a good time. Yes. Tell me about that because you are actually the person that introduced me to those events. And it's funny because Casey actually introduced me to Elro. So this kind of comes full circle. Yeah. So exactly. It started off as a social club in Spain. And since then, it has evolved into a club slash party brand. I know they have shows in like dozens. I think the number of countries they're in is in the dozens. And their whole thing is centered on uh, very immersive production and themes. So, you know, they don't just put DJs on stages. There were, you know, stilt walkers, confetti cannons, costumes. They'll have backstories online leading up to the event to explain what this environment is. Because one might be like, you know, the one that I went to is called Enchanted Forest, but they'll have like circus themes and space themes and it's all fantasy driven, you know? I so, love that. That yeah. sounds like my type of party. Elro is actually coming to Chicago. Oh my gosh. You know what? I, I'm really not surprised. They're, they're making waves here since they expanded into the U.S. You need to, you need to make your way over here and uh, attend that with me. <laughs> I, I would not complain. I, I love Chicago, so I will add it to the list. I, I definitely would not take it off the table. That's, that's very tempting. So would love to hear more about your background and how you got started. Oh, that sounds good. Okay. So the, my ultimate goal is to own a music festival one day. I love I, it. I've had a musical background since I was a teenager I have not done any other kind of work. I'm very fortunate. In high school and college, I was in bands. I was a musician. So I was playing guitar, singing, all that stuff. At this point, I still loved music, but I had dropped my dreams of being a musician. It just, I just was not good enough. I don't think I can make a career off of Mm -hmm. um, music. But I still loved going to events. And then EDC 2011 was basically the event that kind of changed everything for me. So I just, it was a cathartic experience to be completely honest. Like I felt like I fell in love with music all over again, but it was just different this time. It was, it was, it was immersive. It was more of a holistic 360 experience and something that I felt and that I could see rather than just something that I could hear or an instrument that I could play. So right. After ADC 2011, I was like, you know what, I want to do this. Like, I want to create these experiences for people through these musical events. Over the next two years, I was an independent promoter, pretty much. So I was uh, working with artists. I was booking venues, pushing tickets. um, And this is where I kind of learned the ropes of a lot of, like, in the trenches things, going around, putting up posters, like, DMing people on social media. After college, I started working with a record label called Pacific Records. And they are a San Diego-based label. They're not genre-specific. They're not location-specific. We have local acts, and we also have acts that have toured uh, nationally and internationally. So I've been working with them for the past five years. And then uh, at some point, I did a few odd jobs. So all these things kind of just jumbled up together until I landed a full-time event role with UC San Diego. And that's the position that I hold today. What type of events do you, have you been focusing on the most prominent things that we do at that school is we host the Sun God Festival, which is one of the biggest college festivals in the U.S. So it has had up to three stages. Last year, we had 13,000 attendees. In the past, we've had Kendrick Lamar, Khalid, Snoop Dogg. We work with real agencies, security consultants, like the whole nine yards. Wow. Um, yeah. So I, I'm, I really enjoy it here. 
And working at a school has its perks, one of which being there are times of the year where it's slow. So I have the flexibility to freelance on top of that. Isn't that so great? Like, that's one thing that I've been finding out more and more is that everyone in this industry is freelancing in the slow season or just, you know, picking up like different types of projects throughout the year. I love that. You get to try out new things. You get to meet new people. And it's so tight knit that everyone is just willing to um, like help one another out. And that's the reason why I got into it and what's keeping me. Thanks for giving us the rundown. I love hearing stories like that. So I need to ask, and I'm sure you probably get this all the time. Have you came into contact or have any funny stories regarding any artists? This is funny in hindsight, but on more than one occasion, we've had headliners cancel days before the event. And it is obvious. It is not a hoot at all, (laughs) like at the time. But it's funny in hindsight, because you just think to yourself, you know, the more experience you get, you're like, man, I did that. That happened. And we got through that. So it kind of puts a smile on your face, you know. So what did you do in that situation? So a couple of years ago, um, Black Bear was set to headline, but just like two days before the event, uh, he cancels. I might have remembered this particular year, we were having a very efficient load in week. And I thought to myself, man, it's a really good week. And I was on my way on Friday morning, like, like 530 in the morning. It's just, you know, the last day before the event, everyone's in early. Lo and behold, I pull in, you know, he had canceled. And everyone just went into like fight or flight mode, pretty much. So we eventually got a new headliner in like the next 24 hours. We just had to identify who was the best fit person to take on like an emergency booking role. And in this case, it was my partner as far as functionality goes. So me and this person were supposed to load in a ton of vendors that day. I had to do that on my own so that that person could just get on the phones with agencies and pretty much put out this fire and find us a headliner in the next 24 hours. So, you know, it was a it was a quick response. It definitely was not ideal. But you work in experiential marketing and events like, you know, there's just situations where we need things just need to get covered and things just need to get done. And sometimes you kind of just got to buckle down and, and, and find, find a way to kind of make it happen. And this is one of those scenarios where we're like, I'm doing the job of two people. My partner is doing a job that he didn't think he had to do. And we just need to, we just need to make the most of the day. Definitely such an accomplishment. Like, what would you say your favorite part is about what you do? The dynamic nature really, really keeps me going. I can be a neurotic person. I have a hard time sitting still. The nature of the work is something I really thrive in. I love that it's, you know, different events every year. At UCSD, I work on about 30 to 40 events in the year. Most of those are rotating, meaning they're they're changing, you know, and, and I really enjoy that because it keeps you on your toes. You know, you constantly got to rethink, like, how do we do it this time? Like, what did we learn when we did a similar event last year or the year before? I would agree with that 100%. You know, every day is different in the life of an event manager. What would you say are the main responsibilities that you take on? As an event manager, I am managing people and uh, managing teams that are managing events. So my, my current boss told me something when I first took on this role that's kind of stuck with me. And he said, being an event manager is tricky because it's constantly zooming in and constantly zooming out over and yes. over and over. So like, mm-hmm. you got to have a bird's eye view of an event. 
but you still got to zoom in, tweak things like box office, marketing, sponsorship, and then you got to zoom back out to see how does that affect everything else? Because as you know, with events, nothing is an island. Everything affects everything else. As far as the Sun God Festival, it changes every year. I'm just, I'm, I'm an executor, you know? So I, I like that I am in the venue loading in vendors. Uh, recently, I have taken the lead on sponsors. That's an area where I really thrive because I understand the marketing component of live events, which mm-hmm. is a great tie-in to uh, sponsors and the reason sponsors get involved. But I have done, I, I've touched almost every part of this festival. So I have coordinated road closures, security, box office, marketing, even the talent buying I've played some hand in. It just changes year to year on what I'm specifically doing that year. But over the five years of being here, I'd say I've pretty much kind of done my rounds on every area of the festival at this point. And that's really great experience. Like I know for me, before I got into event production, I had no idea of all the little logistical qualities that can go into it. Like even things that are not sexy, like insurance or permitting. It's like every little thing that you need that to have in place for potential issues. I think that's so helpful for a lot of people that are trying to break into the event production world. Let's talk about your other project, The Beat Stop. Yay. My sense of time has warped since I started this because it's like this new passion within my existing passion. And I'm learning all these new skills and it has already reaped so many benefits and opened so many doors for me. I I have just kind of been in a daze in a good way because I'm like, man, I can't believe I started this like a couple years ago. Yeah, it led me. Yeah, it led me to X Live. It led me to you. You know what I mean? Like there's all these just tangible kind of doors that are being opened because of it. I love it. And the Beat Stop is actually a video series. You have your own YouTube Mm -hmm. channel and you talk about festival news and reviews. I actually recently have seen that you had a major upgrade to your studio. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's exciting. Yeah. 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 I am... I serve as quote unquote executive producer. I have one other contributor based on our different preferences and our different experiences. We just talk about music festivals. So I'll talk about anything from festival sponsorship, lineup reactions, not always super educational or super informative. Uh, For example, we did a video where we followed along a festival influencers like Halloween makeup video. So she did like, she does like festival makeup for each event including myself so I had like fake eyelashes and it was a whole thing and I did did not look pretty at the end Um, (laughs) but I, I think the idea was you know when I thought of it I realized that almost everything experiential is being showcased in video form online right so so you know there's Vice and there's BuzzFeed and there's Huffington Post and they're showing off travel locations and new new restaurants and all this stuff and I was like there's no real brand that's doing this for music festivals. So that's where this idea came from. This is our third year, so season three. And yeah, I have since moved everything in-house. So we actually film in my garage, and you wouldn't guess that if you looked at any of the videos. And I'm really proud of that. Last year was a milestone year. You know, we were pretty much filming everything using colored bed sheets as backgrounds. And it was very, like, very homemade. After last year, I thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to invest some real money and resources into it and kind of just see. Because until that point, I was just kind of 
throwing stuff at the wall to see right. what sticks. But I, I realized like there's some real power here, you know, like there's some real opportunity to be had if I just keep putting out content, doing it more, doing it better. I upgraded the equipment. It looks way better. Bought some real lights basically to use as props for the most part. But yeah, like now you really can't tell that it that it's not in a garage. So uh, I'm hoping that the new look and with two years of experience uh, leading up to this point, like I, I think season three is going to be really, really good. And we've got a really dope slate of content slated for this year. So I'm, I'm excited to, for the busy season to pick up. Do you have anything lined up that you're looking forward to? Yeah, so I'm going to EDC Las Vegas this year. This was, you know, I mentioned earlier, this was an event that's really important to me, you know? Like, I went, and it, it set me on this career path, pretty much. I'm going to get a ton of video content, and I'm, I'm just excited. You know, it's, I'm going to be with my best friends. I'm going to be doing what I love at an event that I love. Yes, and that is the ideal situation to be in. One day I have to get myself out there because I already love Vegas so much and combine that with an awesome music experience. Like, sign me up. It's unreal. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's just unforgettable. It's literally life-changing. That I'm testament to that. I have one more question for you. What would you say was the most difficult part about starting your YouTube channel? And do you have any advice to anyone that may be doing the same thing? The biggest challenge was getting on camera. So believe it or not, I did not like being on camera at first. And I think most people don't, especially talking to a camera. I think a lot of people are fond of pictures. When I first started this channel, I knew it was a volume game, right? So I, I mm -hmm. knew like we would need to put out 50 videos before the next 50 were actually really good. And most people are not okay with putting out 50 pieces of really, of like bad content, you know? It's kind of, <laughs> an, it's an ego thing. It's like, you know, for episode 100, and this episode will probably be way better, but you need to do one through 99 to get to that 100 milestone, you know what I mean? And it's like, you're not gonna get better until you just start doing and putting it out. So I'd say for the first like dozen videos, there were typos in things. There were things where I pronounced things wrong. And I was like, you know what? I, I'd rather have it out than not have anything at all because then this brand wouldn't build. You know, I'd say that's the biggest hurdle that you can get past because then you start to learn, right? You're like, oh, I can do this better Absolutely. next time. My advice for people trying to get into media creation or something similar is I'd say be okay with putting out stuff you don't like. It's a volume thing. People get so caught up in one video or one picture. And I'm like, look, thousands of people are going to see this. Most of them are going to forget in a few seconds. Like, it's okay. Just put it out. And for the whole first year, I live by this mantra. Finished is better than perfect. You know, you can prepare as much as possible. And I guarantee something will go wrong. And you have to be okay with moving forward after yes. that. And I think that's also something that as an event producer that you have to overcome and continue going through because it's inevitable. So I think that's amazing advice. And it's something that I probably can use as well in 2020. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you taking your time, joining me on my very first episode with it was the my launch. Pleasure. 
And thank you all for tuning in. But if you like what you hear, please give me a follow or subscribe to stay up to date on all the new episodes that I will be rolling out on the Setup podcast, as well as my YouTube channel and Instagram at the Setup Series. Once again, my name is Sydney, and this was the Setup. Watch out for the next episode. Thanks, guys.